Well, today is week eight of this series, and before I land the plane on this Won't Back Down series, I actually want to talk just a moment about a frustrating phrase we've probably all heard at some point in time, and that phrase is, just pray about it. Just pray about it. When, you, when your heart is heavy, when you've experienced difficult situations and pain and feeling anguish, you've probably had someone say this to you, just, just, just pray about it. And it's, you're frustrated because most of us have tried it, and this phrase is so frustrating because we prayed and nothing happened. I can think of numerous times in my life where I prayed fervently and nothing happened, and it was so frustrating. From, you know, me and Christy, Christy and I, we have two daughters, and we tried to have many more kids. We ended up having five miscarriages, and we prayed every, every single time, Lord, Lord, please allow us to have another kid and allow this one to be healthy, and five miscarriages and one stillborn birth later. Man, it's just so frustrating. God never answered that prayer. A little over a year ago, my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And for the better part of a year, I prayed, God, heal her, heal her, heal her. And he never did. And it was frustrating. And then after she chose to go on hospice, I prayed, God, take her quick, take her quick. Like, have mercy on her, take her quick. And he didn't answer that prayer. And she didn't go quick. And she didn't go painless. A uh, good friend of mine, Nick, I've been praying for him for 12 years to put his faith in Jesus. And I prayed fervently for him to put his faith in Jesus. And he still has never gotten to that place. And God's never answered that prayer. Six weeks ago, I hurt my back. I have a, you know, a bulging disc in my back. And the last six weeks, I have prayed fervently for God to heal me. People have prayed over me for my back to be healed. And uh, I still have a lot of pain and can't feel my left leg. And uh, God's chose not to answer that. And it's so stinking frustrating and many of us are just so tired of hearing, just pray about it in the midst of the trials and the temptations, the setbacks, the disappointments, the hurts, because we've tried and nothing's changed. And for some of us, things have got even worse. And the frustration of unanswered prayer for you has caused some of you to completely lose your faith and your trust and your confidence in God because you asked, he never answered. You're questioning if God is even there, if he hears. And if he does, why doesn't he care? Well, if that's you, listen. Before you give up on God altogether and prayer altogether, I just encourage you, really lean into what we're talking about today. Because these unanswered prayers and our frustration with unanswered prayers actually intersects with what we've been talking about through this series more than we can possibly understand. If this is your first time with us over the past seven weeks, we've been breaking down this passage in the New Testament book of Ephesians. Ephesians is actually a letter, originally a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church, the community of Christ followers in the city of Ephesus in the first century, about 30 or so years after the events of Jesus' life. And throughout this letter, Paul basically you know, talks about how to follow Jesus and find full life in him. And then right at the end of this letter, Paul writes this. It says, finally, like I say this for last because this is so important, finally, be strong in the Lord, in Jesus, and in his mighty power, not your own. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's saying, I just want you to know, there's a powerful, evil, deceptive enemy at work in the world. The enemy is the devil whose name is Satan. And he goes on, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood and not against him, not against her, not against them, not even against ourselves, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, as we look at our lives and we look at the world, we know something just isn't right. 
It seems like there's something always against us. And as weird and unbelievable as it sounds, according to Jesus and according to the writers of Scripture, the reason for this is because you have an enemy who's against you, who's attacking you, and who's, fight, who's fighting to oppose God however he can. Who's fighting, he's fighting to prevent the saving work of Jesus in the world and in your life. He's fighting to advance evil and hopelessness and injustice and hatred. He's fighting to fill all creation with despair and darkness and disease. He's fighting to deceive and destroy you. And Paul, who knew that full well, so to conclude this letter to the church in Ephesus, he basically says, we're in a battle daily, so we must daily prepare for battle. We're in the midst of a battle every day, not against him or her or them or even ourselves, but an unseen one against an enemy who fights with the forces of hell to destroy everything and everyone God is for, to destroy everything and everyone God loves, to destroy everything God wants to do and in the world and in you and in your life, to destroy everything and everyone Jesus came for, Jesus died for, and Jesus rose from the grave for. We are in a battle daily, so we must daily prepare for battle. Paul goes on to tell us how to prepare for this battle daily. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, when the day of evil comes, when the enemy attacks, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Listen, you and I, we don't get to choose the battle. It's here, it's coming, you are being attacked, you will be attacked. To not be devoured by, an by our enemy, we have to be daily prepared to stand firm. But we can't stand firm on our own strength. The good news is we don't have to. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, he has already won this battle. So all we need to do to stand firm today is to put on Jesus and his mighty power by putting on the full armor of God today. Starting in verse 14, Paul describes that armor. He uses, describes it with six different pieces. And he uses the analogy of a Roman soldier for the pieces of armor because that was the picture that came to his first century reader's mind when, he, when they thought of a warrior who went into battle. Over the last seven weeks, we've discovered what each of these pieces of armor are, why they're so important, and how to put them on. But here they are one final time as review. He says, stand firm then with the first Belt of truth buckled around your waist. Second, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And third, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, fourth, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Fifth, take the helmet of salvation. And finally, our one offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. As we land the plane on this series today, let me ask you. Are you preparing to stand firm daily? By daily putting on the armor of God. Are you preparing to stand firm daily? It's a yes or no question. You either are or you are not. You know how to now. But knowing and doing are two very different things. My prayer is that you choose to prepare daily from this point forward. If you don't, you are leaving yourself open. And you are leaving yourself vulnerable to a powerful, evil, deceptive enemy whose sole motivation is to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he is stronger than you. But if you do... If you choose to prepare daily by putting on this armor, the enemy has no chance in your life. He will be disarmed again and again. You'll stand firm and won't back down. And you'll experience God's presence and power in your life in the midst of this battle. At the beginning of this series, we, when you walked out, we handed out these cards that has this entire passage on it. If, if you lost this, you didn't get one, go to the apparel store on your way out. They're sitting on the table over there. Grab one. I want to encourage you to keep this somewhere where you can see it. You can memorize this. And it helps you assess every single day, am I putting on the armor? 
Because as you assess, like that's the only way to go, am I really putting this on? As you assess and choose to put it on every day, man, that's how you are going to stand firm and not back down. Now, before Paul ends this discourse on the unseen battle, he gives one final thing we must do in order to stand firm daily. And here's what he says. And pray. (laughs) Now, at first glance, it seems like he ends this discourse with the phrase that we're all frustrated hearing. Ah, just pray about it. Just pray about it. And on one hand, we can understand what Paul's saying, right? Because more than anything else in our lives, the effects of the unseen battle is what causes us to hit our knees and pray. Right? Even if you're not a, even if you're not a prayer and you're not sure where you're at in this whole God thing, like pain, hardship, disappointment, like those things can cause you to hit your knees and pray. Like, God, if you're there, like I need some help. On the other end, Paul end, on the other hand, Paul ending in this way, it is, seems like the most cliche thing ever to say. And you're like, really, Paul? Really, like, this is your final thing. Like, just pray about it. Like, Paul, I've tried. It don't work. Now, let's just assume, just for the sake of argument, just for today, let's just assume that there is a God who loves you. Let's just assume that there's one all-powerful God who is for you. Let's just assume that there's one all-powerful, holy creator God who hears your prayers. Let's just assume that there is this God who can and wants to answer your prayers. Now, if that's true, which Jesus believed it's true, and so I kind of go with whatever Jesus says. If it's true, the question that should be asked is, why do our prayers go unanswered so often? And you, if you've ever asked this question to people who say they're followers of Jesus, you've probably gotten all kinds of different answers. Maybe something like, well, you don't have enough faith. Like God answers people's prayers with big faith. People who believe that God can answer them. You must not believe that God can answer You need to have more faith. Or you probably have some unconfessed sin in your life, which, by the way, is the stupidest response ever because you do too, and you do do. We all have unconfessed sin in our lives. So if, if God is answering prayers about unconfessed sin, like we're in big, big trouble. Or you might have heard you're not praying the right way at the right time. Like you need to learn how to pray with power. You need to learn how to pray with authority. You know, you need to learn how to, like, yes, Lord. You know, and you just, you haven't done that. You know, you're too meek. You're too mild. Let me help you out with that. Or this one just, you just want to reach across and just hit someone right in the face when they say this to you. They're like, well, God must not be answered because he's trying to teach you something. Must be trying to teach you something right now. And you're like, mm-hmm. Okay, maybe. Maybe. But what if there's nothing wrong with you? What if it's not a faith issue? What if it's not a sin issue? What if you've done everything right? What if there's something else going on? What if the unseen battle we're caught in the midst of is a primary reason so many of our prayers go unanswered? What if? I believe it is. And to illustrate that and see why Paul ended his discourse on the unseen battle and the way he did is so powerful, I want to look at a story in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Now, before I go here, i got to give you some context, otherwise this won't make sense. As part of God's redemptive plan, God chose to bless the world through the Hebrew people who became known as the Israelites, who eventually became known as the Jews. 
2,000 years before Jesus ever walked the face of the earth, God promised the Hebrew people they would be his people and he would be their God. And as his chosen people, he called them to trust and obey him alone. And this came with a promise and a consequence. Like, hey, if you trust and obey me alone as the one true God, I will bless you in such a way that you know I'm the one true God and the rest of the world will see that you are the people of the one true God. But if you don't trust and obey, I will discipline you severely until you learn how to trust and obey. Now, their faith, it started off strong, but it didn't take long for them not to trust and obey. And after hundreds of years of this, God was fed up. So in about 600 B.C., 600 years before the events of Jesus' life, God went to the extreme to get his people to turn back to him through what we now call the Babylonian exile. The Babylonians were the dominating world power at that point in time, and the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem, the capital where, where the, you know, the, the Israelites lived. They invaded Jerusalem. They broke down the walls. They burnt down homes. They burnt down the temple. They killed thousands and thousands and thousands of Israelites. And then most of the ones that they allowed to live, they took cap, uh, captive back to the city of Babylon. One of those exiles was a God-fearing, God-honoring Israelite named Daniel. As the, Bab- as the Israel- Israelites are going into exile to Babylon, God, through one of his prophets, gave him one final promise. And he told the Israelites, if you turn back to me, if you turn back to me and trust and obey me as your God, I will allow you to return to Jerusalem in 70 years. Well, after 70 years in exile in Babylon, they finally learned to trust and obey. And God delivered on his promise. Seventy years later, like it, what had happened in the world is the Persians had actually taken over the Babylonians and were now the dominating world power. And through what can only be described as a supernatural act of God, the Persian king allowed 50,000 Israelites to return to Jerusalem to rebuild. And they are filled with joy. Like God delivered on his promise. We're going back and they return and they begin rebuilding their walls, rebuilding the temple, rebuilding their homes, rebuilding their lives as as God's people. However, this did not come without opposition. The the surrounding people who lived around Jerusalem, they didn't want to see the Jews back. They didn't want to see them rebuilding this capital city. They didn't want to see this all happening. And so they started to fight against them. They started to oppose them at every turn and try to stop them from rebuilding. And they coerced the Persian king to get the Israelites to completely stop rebuilding. Now, Daniel, he was not one of the 50,000 Israelites who made the trip back to Jerusalem. He's an old man at this point in time, so he stayed in Babylon. For 70 years, Daniel prayed that his people would be able to return, that they learn to trust and obey God, and they'd return, and God delivered on their promise, and they're finally back, and Daniel's filled with so much joy. And now Daniel hears the opposition happening in Jerusalem, and that the rebuilding is stopped, and he's immediately filled with grief and sorrow and despair. And that's where the story picks up. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks because that opposition has happened in Jerusalem, because the rebuilding had stopped, because the opposition his people are facing. And here's what his mourning led him to do. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, which means he fasted and prayed for three weeks straight. Three weeks straight. And here's what else is mourning. Not only that, here's what else he did. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over, meaning he abstained from the lotions that made life more comfortable in a dry desert climate. So interesting as you see this, by the way. The same thing that causes us to hit our knees and pray was the same thing that caused Daniel to. Pain, hardship, opposition, disappointment, trials, anguish. The difference 
between many of us and Daniel is that many of us have never prayed about anything for so long in such an intense way. Daniel prayed for three weeks straight, didn't eat a bite of food, and did nonstop praying for three weeks. Most of us have never prayed with anything like that intensity. I don't know, is it possible? But that's one of the reasons so many of our prayers go unanswered. Because let's be honest, we treat God most of the time like a cosmic vending machine or a genie in a bottle. We throw up our prayers, we throw up our wishes, we throw up our three requests when we want something, and we expect God to answer our way right now. And when he doesn't, we wonder, what's wrong with him? Daniel knew that God was not a genie in a bottle. He knew that he was the all-powerful heavenly father who loves him and is for him. And so for three weeks, he went without food. He went without water. He went without drinking. And he was praying, 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 praying. God, what is going on here? We waited so long to return. waited 70 years to return. You delivered on your promise and now this? Like, how could this happen? How could you let this happen? God, I need some answers. I'm losing hope. Deliver the people. God, let the rebuilding start again. God, where are you? God, I need you. You have to know, if you read the book of Daniel, you'll see Daniel had seen God work powerfully in the past. Daniel had witnessed God answer prayers in miraculous, miraculous ways. But this time, nothing. No answer after three weeks of nonstop praying. And most of us would have given up. We would have blamed God. We would have lost faith. We would have stopped praying. But not Daniel. He kept praying, 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 praying. And then without warning, an unexpected unexpected breakthrough happened. Verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and his legs like the, like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Whew. After three weeks of non-stop praying and fasting in extreme anguish, Daniel finally experienced a breakthrough, but in the most unexpected way. He looks up and he sees a vision of this and this this angel that is he can't even describe with words so the words he uses just basically going this was the craziest thing I've ever seen the way it looked the way it sounded the way this angel felt and it was so overwhelming to him and he was overcome with such awe that he fell to the ground in fear and as you continue to read you see the angel comes and he reaches down and he touches Daniel's shoulder and say Daniel listen there's nothing to fear stand up and so Daniel trembling, gets back up to his feet and stands in front of the angel. And that's what the story picks up. Then he, the angel, continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Daniel's like, oh, okay. Thanks, that's helpful. I'll pay close attention to what the angel says next. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, since the first day you started praying, Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days, saying, Daniel, your heavenly father heard your prayers day number one, and he sent me immediately to answer. I haven't been able to get here until now because I've been engaged in battle against the prince of the Persian kingdom. Now, if our true battle 
was against him, if our true battle was against her, if our true battle was against them, then we assume that the angel was talking about a human prince from Persia. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. The true battle is an unseen one against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly, heavenly realms. The angel isn't referring to a human prince, but one of, Satan's, one of Satan's demons who was working to fight against everything and everyone that God was for and everything that God wanted to do. And the angel says, Daniel, you see with your eyes the opposition that your people are experiencing in Jerusalem right now. But you've got to know, Daniel, there is something else going on in the unseen world. The reason your people are experiencing opposition is because they're being opposed by Satan and, and his demons in the unseen world. The moment you started praying, Daniel, God sent me to let you in on this and let you be in behind the curtain of this. But I was immediately engaged in warfare against one of Satan's demons. For the past 21 days, Daniel, I battled him trying to get to you and I couldn't get past him myself. So I called for help. Then Michael, who's an archangel in God's army, one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the visions concerning a time yet to come. Angel's going, I needed help to break through the, the battle lines. Daniel, sorry it took so long. I'm here now to let you know what's going on in the unseen world and to let you know of God's plans and how those are going to be fulfilled. Daniel, at this moment, if you continue to read, he becomes so overwhelmed by the magnitude and power of what he is hearing that he began to have a panic attack. He, panic attack, he lost all physical strength, and he fell to the ground again. Verse 18, again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. He said, peace, be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. The angel goes on to tell Daniel what's going to end up happening. That the Israelites are going to experience more fighting and more opposition. But that in God's timing, in God's perfect ways, all of his perfect promises, all of his perfect purposes will be fulfilled. But not today. And this is so vitally important. After three weeks, three weeks of fervent, intense praying in ways that none of us have probably ever done. After three weeks of fervent, intense praying for the opposition against his people in Jerusalem to stop, God didn't give Daniel what he wanted. God didn't give Daniel what he desired. And God didn't give Daniel what he prayed for today. Instead, God gave him something better. God gave Daniel what Daniel needed most. God gave him strength that could only come from him in order to stand firm in the midst of this battle. Why God worked out all his perfect purposes and ways. All Daniel's prayers weren't answered the way that he prayed they would be answered. But because he never gave up praying, something happened in him that couldn't happen in any other way. Something that God knew he needed most. Now Daniel's story which Paul knew full well, is the reason he ended his discourse on the unseen battle in Ephesians 6 with those two powerful words. And pray. The reason Paul ended his discourse with these two powerful words is because Paul knew something that most of us never come to fully understand, and that is that prayer is where 
we prepare. Prayer, we're in a battle daily, so we must daily prepare for battle. Prayer is where and how we daily prepare to stand firm. Prayer is where we prepare. Prayer Prayer is where we connect with Jesus. I've said this every single week. To not be devoured by our enemy, we have to daily be prepared to stand firm. But we can't stand firm in our own strength. The good news is we do not have to. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus has already won this battle. So all we need to do to stand firm is to put on Jesus and his mighty power by putting on the full armor of God. Prayer is where we connect with Jesus so we can do just that. In the midst of the ba- this battle, what we need most are not things to change. In the midst of this battle, what we need most is not for them to change. What we ultimately need most is Jesus and his protection, his strength, his peace, his comfort, his hope, his guidance, his presence. And that's what Jesus wants to give. And he gives it when we're connected with him. Prayer is where we connect with Jesus. Listen, the number one reason Daniel prayed so fervently was because he knew that he, what he needed most was God himself. So he, he, he was going to pray until he connected with him and in his mighty power. Now let me just say this. For, for those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're tuning in. But you've got to know this. You can't put on Jesus and his mighty power Regardless of how much you pray, if you haven't entered into a saving relationship with Jesus through faith in Jesus. And so today, I invite you to do that. If the rest of this time you feel a stirring, I I haven't done that, I feel like I should do that. At the end I'm going to pray and I would encourage you that this is the day. This is the day to enter into that saving relationship by putting your faith in Jesus. By asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins, your savior. And the leader of of your life, your Lord, your God. Prayer is where we prepare. Prayer is where we put on the armor of God. Prayer may not change the battle today, but it's where we put on the hope of God, the peace of God, the promises of God, the righteousness of God, the protection of God, the armor of God, so that we can stand firm in the battle today. Prayer is where we take our eyes off the situations and trials and circumstances and hardships that are right in front of them and put the helm of salvation on and fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Prayer is where we take our eyes off what is seen and begin to look into the unseen. Daniel would have never seen what was really going on without prayer. And what all this means is prayer is where the enemy is identified. And where the enemy is identified, the enemy is disarmed and the enemy is defeated. Prayer is where we prepare. Prayer is where God transforms us to enable us to stand firm. Listen, all Daniel's prayers weren't answered the way that he prayed they would be. But because he never gave up praying, something happened in him that he couldn't get in any other way. Strength from God. The strength of God. And that's what God knew Daniel needed most as God worked out all his perfect promises and ways in the midst of the battle. As we put on Jesus and his mighty power by putting on the full armor of God, God doesn't always answer our prayers the way that we want today. But he always does something in us. 
He always promises to give us what we need most in order to stand firm in this battle. And when we stand firm in this battle is when we experience true hope, true joy, true peace, true life, true fulfillment, true strength, true comfort, true healing in the midst of the battle. See, this battle, so often what we do when we hit our knees is we start asking, God, why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? And maybe, just maybe, God continues to allow the battle in our life because of what he wants for us us. There's nothing that makes us hit our knees and turn to God in prayer like the battle does, like the effects of the battle does. And maybe this battle, maybe this battle is a gift because without it, you and I would never pray. Without it, we would never look to connect with Jesus. Without it, we would never look to God to transform us of what we need in order to stand firm today. Maybe it's a gift because what happens in prayer can't happen in any other way. Now this is so key. As we saw in Daniel, the unseen battle that we're caught in the middle of is one of the primary reasons our prayers go unanswered today. The battle, it causes us to hit our knees and pray, and at that moment, you know what happens? Boom, the enemy steps up his game. The longer our prayers go unanswered, the more discouraged we come. Many of us quit. Many of us start blaming God, and at that moment, The enemy has won. Listen, Satan knows more than you and Satan knows more than me that prayer is where we prepare. So he will fight with the forces of hell to try to keep or stop you from praying so that he can prevent you from connecting with Jesus, prevent you from putting on the armor of God, and prevent you from being transformed by God so that you're enabled to stand firm against him. He knows if he can do that, if he can prevent all that, he can easily steal, kill, and destroy the life that Jesus came for. Jesus died for and Jesus rose from the grave to give you. That's why Paul ends his discourse in Ephesians with those two words. And pray. Prayer is where we prepare. And Paul's going, hey, now that you know why prayer is important in the midst of the battle, allow me to explain how to pray in order to stand firm. And pray in the spirit. Now, this does not mean praying in some mystical language that only people who've been following Jesus forever have somehow uncoded and figured out, or that only people who have some special gifting could do. Jesus and the writers of Scripture promise us the moment that we put our faith in Jesus, the moment we ask Jesus to be the forgiver of our sins in your life, at that moment, God's Spirit, referred to as the Holy Spirit, takes residence within us. Praying in the Spirit means praying. Uh, Praying in the Spirit means praying in dependence on, alignment with, and submission to how the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you to pray. And how the Holy Spirit will always lead and guide us to pray is according to God's will instead of our will. This is so vitally important. God promises to answer prayer when we pray His will. He does not promise to answer prayer when we pray our will. God promises to answer prayer when we pray his will. And let's be honest. Come on, let's be honest. Most of the time, we pray our will. Most of the time, we pray our will. We launch in, God, here's what I want. God, here's what I desire. And then we blame God when he doesn't give us, give it to us. That's not how it works with our heavenly father. Listen, that's not, for those of you who are parents, that's not how it works with your kids. You don't start just forking everything over to them that they want, that they desire. And yet we want our Heavenly Father to do it. He knows better than we do. He knows the whole scope. He knows the whole plan. He knows what's better for us than we know for, what, for ourselves. He's our perfect Heavenly Father. He's not going to just go, okay, here's something. This is going to be bad for you, but here you go. 
Okay, how do we pray in the Spirit then? Well, when you've hit your knees and prayed, have you ever once prayed this prayer? God, how should I pray? You ever once asked that? God, how should I pray? Most of us haven't. Instead, we start praying, God, get me out of this. We start just right off the bat. God, get me out of this. God, stop the pain. God, give me. God, change them. God, make it stop. We say, our will, our will, our will, our will, our will. I encourage you to start praying this question, God, how should I pray? And listening, listening in the midst of the battle, pray this and listen. It's how we begin to pray God's will. It's how we begin to pray in the spirit. And let me tell you what's going to happen. This, just so you know, this is the warning. What's going to happen if you do this, things out of left field are going to come into your mind or things that you don't want to pray are going to come into your mind. Some of them come into your mind and be like, what does that have to do with anything? Or some will come to your mind and you're like, Mm-mm, not praying for that. You'll want to dismiss those two things. Don't dismiss them. Don't dismiss in the Holy Spirit who, re- who resides in you. Let's just chalk that up to that's how he's guiding you to pray God's will today. So pray it, pray it, pray it. Because when we pray God's will is when God promises he will answer. And pray in the Spirit. Okay, Paul, but when do I pray in the Spirit? He's like, good question. I'm glad you asked. On all occasions. On all occasions. And another, another letter to another church he wrote, pray without ceasing. Now, this doesn't mean being on your knees all day in the closet praying or walking around all day like looking weird with your hands folded all day. It means fixing our eyes on Jesus by praying, praying first, praying now when we're coming, when we're going, when we're happy, when we're sad, when we're struggling. At the start of the day, at the end of the day, throughout the day, in all situations, circumstances, ups, downs, as you walk into the meeting, as you go on the date, as anxiety fills your mind, as you get up, as you go to bed. And let's be honest, most of us don't do this. What do we do? Like, thank you for this food. Yeah, did that one. I'm out. Lord, thank you for this day, and I'm done. Daniel had something so heavy on his heart. He prayed for three weeks straight. And we're like, yeah, I prayed about that yesterday. God didn't answer. I'm moving on. He just doesn't do my thing. Maybe that's a reason so many of our prayers go unanswered. Now, as inspired, you're like, okay, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to do As inspired as you might be to go, I'm going to start praying on all occasions. You're not going to start. Because this is, this is a hard thing to do. And it's, it's a habit. You've got to form. And so, listen, walking out of here, what I'd encourage you to do is take your phone and set four or five every day at the same time throughout every day. They go off at the same time. Reminders that just say stop and pray. And for five minutes when that reminder goes off, just stop and pray. Just say five to ten minutes. Let me tell you what. Those five to ten minutes, if you've never done this before, are going to feel like an eternity. You're going to be like, but what do I pray? Paul's like, well, here, do this. With all kinds of prayers and requests. In song, in silence, crying, yelling, out loud, with people, by yourself, by writing your prayers out in a journal, by reciting written prayers that are helpful for you in adoration, in confession, in meditation, in pouring out your thoughts and feelings that are on your mind and your heart to God and asking God for what you feel like you need. All kinds of prayers and requests, Paul says. There's not one right way to pray. Pray in a way that you need and you want that helps you connect with Jesus and to pray his will. And then here's how Paul ends. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for yourself. Mm Mm-mm. That's what we assume probably Paul wrote because that's what we do. We just pray for yourself. Paul's going, but you can't remember it's not all about you. 
The enemy's working to devour and destroy the kingdom of God, every other follower of Christ along with you. So keep praying for all the Lord's people, every other follower of Christ. You notice what all the pieces of the armor have in common? They only cover your front, which means your back's vulnerable. Your back is super, super vulnerable. Even if you put on the armor every single day, you can get attacked from behind from the enemy. You don't even see it coming. Which means for you and me to stand firm in the battle, we need to have each other's backs by praying with, for, and over one another. You know that phrase that everyone likes, like, get behind me, Satan. Satan be like, all right, I'm going to stab you from behind. If you're going to be like, get behind me, Satan, you better have some people who got your back. So I challenge you, like, as you're praying throughout the day, Lord, what should I pray? As people come to your mind throughout the day, someone comes to your mind, I should pray for them. Don't pray for them later. Don't text them praying. Pick up the phone. Call them. Pray for them. As someone asks you to pray, you're in this room, you're at T-Life group, just throughout the day, someone goes, man, can you pray for me? Don't go, yeah, I'll pray for you later. Pray for them right now. Drop everything you're doing. Take a time out and pray right now. This is, gives people amazing, um, this is amazing, gives confidence that God is with them in the battle. And listen, you got to ask for it. When you don't know how to pray for yourself, when you're feeling down and out, when you feel like you're being attacked from behind, you know how it's one of the best ways to get back up, to feel that you, are, you ask people to pray for you. Don't pray for me later. Don't text me back. Dude, I need you to pray for me right now. You're like, I don't know how to pray. Who cares? Start. You know what I mean? Like, dude, just I need you to pray for me, man. Like, it's one of the most powerful, awesome things. God has given us each other to have our backs. But prayer is where we prepare. <sighs> I did a lot of yelling right there. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're in a battle daily, so we must daily prepare for battle. Prayer is where we prepare. Last year, we did our annual survey here at Relevant. And the lowest, where we asked everyone kind of some different questions, kind of about your spiritual journey. And the lowest answered, the lo lowest answered response on the annual survey was, I pray consistently. It was the lowest answered response from us. Is maybe that one of the reasons why so many of us are being defeated by the enemy? It's time to change all that. Prayer is where we connect with Jesus. Prayer is where we put on the armor of God. Prayer is where God transforms us to enable us to stand firm. When we don't turn to God in prayer, none of that happens, and we live ourselves vulnerable to Satan's attacks. But when we pray fervently, God does something inevitably. He doesn't promise to give us everything we ask for, but he does promise to give us what we need most. And whether or known or not, that's what we actually want. Praying may not change our circumstances, may not change our situations, may not change our hardships, and may not change our battle, but it always changes us. And that's the beauty of prayer. That's the power of prayer, and that's the gift of prayer. And Daniel knew that and experienced that. Paul knew that and experienced that. And they would both say, don't give up. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, because prayer is where we prepare. So as we wrap up this series, let me ask you, do you want to be prepared to stand firm. If so, does when you pray, how you pray, and why you pray need to be different in your life? If so, what's your next step? Whatever it is, take it. Take it so you can disarm the enemy. Take it, take it so you can stand firm and not back down. I'm going to close by praying for us, and I'm going to pray for two different, I'm going to pray for two different things. First, for Everyone who's never put your faith in Jesus at home or in the room and you felt the stirring as I was talking earlier, today's the day. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now as I pray to put your faith in Jesus. And I can't think of a better time than right now.
than right now in this moment where you are at. And then after I get done with that, I'm going to pray Ephesians 6 over all of us. And believe that as I do, that God will do what he needs to do in you right now so that you can choose to daily prepare to stand firm in this battle from this point forward. Pray. Dear Lord, I just want to first um, lift up every single person, Jesus, who's never put their faith in you, but feels a stirring that right now they want to take that step. Lord, I pray for them that where they're at right now in this room, at home, choose to declare their need for a Savior, choose to declare their faith, Jesus, that you are that Savior because of your death and resurrection, and that right now they ask you to be their Savior, the forgiver of their sins, and they declare that they want to follow you and for you to be the leader of their life and their Lord and their God right now, Jesus. Lord, as they're praying that right now and they're putting their faith in you, I pray that as your spirit takes residence within them, you give them an assurance that you are with them. I'm going to ask everyone to stand as I pray this over us as one final prayer as we close out this series. I pray that you choose to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I pray you put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I pray that you remember that your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I pray you choose to put on the full armor of God every day from this point forward so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. I pray you choose to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I pray you choose to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and to put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit Spirit, which is the word of God. I pray you choose to, to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And finally, I pray you stay alert and always keep on praying for all Jesus' followers. In Jesus' name, amen.